And it's time now for our first panel of the year, and I'm joined by commentator Irene Gardner. Hi, Irene. How are you? Kia ora. Good morning. I'm well. Excellent. And Damien Venuto, host of Front Page Podcast. How are you? I'm really good, feeling really privileged that you invited me on for the first show of the year. <laughs> well, we want to kick off with a bang, don't we, guys? <laughs> um, Irene, how do you feel about Chris Hipkins as your new Prime Minister? Uh, well, I think after Grant Robertson said he didn't want the job, mm. I think it sort of started to become fairly obvious at that point that it was going to be Chris Hipkins. And I feel quite positive about it. I think he's got a nice folksy quality about him that people will relate relate to. I think people still remember the kind of quite funny things like him walking out of the forest that day to do his media conference and um, you know the the faux pas that became a, a meme um, so yeah but putting that lighter side of things which is needed in a leader aside he by all accounts is a pragmatist he gets things done and yeah he's kind of gonna need all of that because after Grant Robertson, as Irene said, took himself out of the mix there, he was really the only choice, wasn't he, Damien? I mean, there, there was um, a Megan Woods. Um, she would have been a good alternative. Perhaps Michael Wood, um, too. Both of them are really talented, really good. They, they've been excellent in their portfolios. But for Hipkins, I actually think that this is a little bit fraught. Um, it does feel a little bit like a hospital pass just because Labour has been struggling in the polls so much. So if he doesn't deliver a good result at the next election, um, he might battle to retain the mandate to stay on as leader. And I think as a politician, it is a risky move. By him to take on this role. I don't think it comes without risk. Do you think how how does he how does he set the mark then, Damien? I mean, he needs to he needs to come straight out, take control, show he's got a steady hand. He needs to step up and show that he's happy to be accountable. He needs to maybe make some changes to the prior, Labour's priorities over the next nine months. And he, he needs yeah, I, to appeal. I think I, I've really mentioned this. He's, he he is incredible. He is very relatable, and I think he does need to appeal to, you know, the average Kiwi voter, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that the biggest thing, I mean, this election coming up, it does feel like a referendum on the economy. Yes. So right now, New Zealanders, particularly those homeowners, they're worried about inflation and interest rates, right? So if Labour wants to do well in the next election, they need to give the public confidence that they are capable of steering the the country through this economic turmoil. And a lot of that will depend on Hipkins and the way he delivers that message, because a lot of it's actually beyond the control of Labour, too, because we must remember interest rates are a product of the Reserve Bank's Moves and the government doesn't really have control of that, so it it's an incredibly tricky political challenge that he faces. Irene, do you think there are any policies or legislation that um, that he should ditch as quickly as possible? I think there are things that have bogged them down, yeah. and I suspect he will be looking at that very pragmatically and going, you know, what can we refine? What can we stop? Interestingly for me, because it's my area, um, I suspect the one that may get stopped is the RNZ, TVNZ consolidation and the new public media entity, because I think there's a way to take the work that's been done on that and actually maybe solve some of the issues in a more simple way. So I think there's a way out of that if, they, if they've decided that they've sort of painted themselves into a bit of a corner. And I suspect Three Waters, I mean, that I don't think that can or should be jettisoned, but maybe it could be streamlined a little. And also because he's fresh and with fresh energy, he might just be able to 
break through and communicate a bit better on some of these things as to why we actually need to do them, which I think I think they've struggled with um, in the last few months just with everything else that's been going on. Your thoughts, Damien? I, I mean, the, the media one's interesting because in the grand scheme of a budget, it isn't actually that much money, but it's attracted so much attention because it's viewed as a waste of money, right? Mm. And that's exactly the area where they need to do well. So I definitely agree with Irene. They, they need to do something about the merger. And the reality is that New Zealand does not spend as much money on its public media as other countries um, at all, not even close. So there, there is definitely room for improvement for our public media. But um, I, I also think that maybe there is another way to do this without needing the merger. Irene, of course, the uh, Prime Minister only resigned on Thursday. Not much time has gone by, but people are thinking about her legacy at the moment. Do you think she will be more fondly remembered as time goes by? Uh, yes, I think so. I think she will actually ultimately be very fondly remembered because the sort of the vile extremist thing that has unfortunately tarnished this last part of her time, I think that, that will sort of ease away at some point um, and I think she'll be remembered for, for the big things that she did which was she did steer us very very well through COVID yes it was messy, yes it was imperfect but she actually did do very well and she was fabulous with things like you know the mosque terrorist attack and for Kyrie White Island and mm. things like that. I think the hard thing for her and to a degree the team around her and actually Chris Hipkins is going to have to find a way to sort of dance out of this is that almost inevitable thing has happened where people are blaming them for awful things that the pandemic is causing their lives mm. when it's actually the pandemic that is causing the things, not the politicians. And I think that's been really tough. And I, I guess that's one advantage of the PM stepping away is that it cleans that out a little bit um, and, yeah, might just calm things down. Where do you think this leaves Labour, uh, Damien? It is an interesting one because her departure did spark like an outpouring of support for her efforts. And I think for, for, for me, one, one image that I'll always remember is after the terrorist attack, her stepping forward and calling that a terrorist attack, which was regarded as a moment of bravery for, for a politician to actually stand on a platform and say, this is a terrorist attack and we, attack and we have to accept it as that and we have to deal with it as that. And I, I think that moments like that are what, mm. what are going to define her legacy in the longer run. But there is the, the recent messiness of COVID-19 where I think that families who were stuck abroad during uh, the pandemic, uh, family members who were lost over here while the other family members were abroad, the foreign community who maybe couldn't see their families for two years, mm. those people are also going to view her legacy in a complicated light because there's good and bad and politics is messy. And I think Ardern's five years is a reflection of that. Now, look, I don't know about the two of you, but I've just been getting quite upset day after day. Every time I head to the news, I just see another story about uh, a, a water tragedy. We just have five people have died just in Auckland in the last 24 hours, uh, 11 people in the last nine days around the country in water-related illnesses. What are we doing wrong? How do we change this? It just, I, I, I just opened the news, I was looking at the news just before, and Raglan lifeguards have carried out mass rescues over the weekend. Irene, what do we do? I mean, it, it should be pretty simple. If there's surf, there's a rip. And if you're not swimming between the flags, don't go in the water. I don't, I, don't, I feel that message is really well known, but clearly it is not. Well, 
Yeah, it, it feels to me like the Water Safety Council, I think it's them that have the responsibility. I feel like the messaging has been pretty good mm. in, over the years. I just, you know, I have this theory about New Zealanders. I think one of the nice parts of our personality, but that also gets us into trouble, is the she'll be right attitude. I think we actually are quite, you, you see that in some of our stats with things like farm accidents and, you know, farm bike accidents and, you know, and drownings as part of that. Oh, God, it's heartbreaking. But maybe there are some things that we could do better. I mean, people say that the whole thing of swimming pools at primary schools and swing lessons is not as strong as it used to be when I was growing up. Um, and, yeah, maybe we need more lifeguards and more patrolled areas and all the things. Francesca, do you know what's quite... Sorry, Francesca, you know what's quite interesting? Uh, we recently interviewed Daniel Gerard from Water Safety NZ, and yeah. um, he wrote an open letter to Kiwi men because they were just more, simply more likely to die when it came to water accidents. So in 2021, 90 people lost their lives to drowning. 76 of them were males. Now, so he <laughs> said... Is that... Is he, that- Partly because of what Irene was talking about, that she'll be right, I'll be fine, or are they oh. rescuing people? Because, of course, a lot of drownings happen when one person is trying to rescue somebody else. He says it's because of the risky behaviour that men are taking. And there's this great line in his open letter. He says, to the Pakia males in power boats, to the Maori men gathering kai underwater, Asian men fishing from rocks, Pacifica men fishing from boats, you guys are consistently overrepresented in our drowning tragedies. And I think that just captures the fact that this is across demographics. You can't blame a single demographic, but it's men. Mm. It's men who are putting themselves into d- dangerous circumstances and not taking the risks seriously enough. They're it's- overconfident. Yes, yeah, is, is, is it as simple as just having signage? Just having literally, <laughs> just <laughs> making out, making no, but making our beaches just look a mess and putting up signage. I, you know, I was at some uh, between Christmas and New Year. I was down at um, Omanu, down in um, the Bay of Plenty, and I swam at the Mount and various other places. And the swells were full on. And the beaches yeah. were crazy mad. Beautiful, beautiful days. Everybody flocked down there, very high tides. Those lifesavers were working so hard. They wouldn't even let families play near the waterline. These rogue waves were coming up. They worked so incredibly hard. And I felt like saying, we just put a massive sign on this beach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, these poor people, will, you know, I just, I don't know. We've got to do something about it, guys, don't we? Yeah, no, I mean, Francesca, I spend a lot of time like surfing at Karakare and like one of the simple things that I do, if I see that there are no other surfers in the water, I just won't go for a surf unless I know that the lifeguards are there watching over me because if I get into trouble, I'll die. Like there's no one out there. It's this wide, expansive beach. If you get pulled up by a rip, you're done. Irene, did you want to finish us off? I was just going to say, you know, maybe we should put up the sharks here signs because we seem to be scared, more scared of sharks than we are of rips and dangerous water. So should we just lie and put shark signs everywhere? Oh, did you know, you know that I'm addicted to the Great White App. Are you on the Great White App, Irene? <laughs> no, I'm Go not. Go to the Great White but, App. You know, John it's... definitely created a generation of people who are terrified of sharks, so maybe we should capitalise <laughs> oh, on Yeah, No, I'm following Daisy and Manan... Uh, <laughs> Mana Nui, I think it is, as they're travelling up and down the East Coast. It's fascinating, folks. Well, yeah, you might prefer not to know, but I personally am, am addicted to this app.